So today, I want to talk, if you'll turn to Psalm 133, and I want to talk about unity, but I've got a subtitle as well, uh, a practical application. So we've heard a little bit about unity already this camp. Um, it's a really well, great uh, psalm. I'm going to read it here, Psalm 133. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, and went down to the skirts of his garments. As the Jew of Hermon, and as the Jew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life, forevermore. And this camp, I think, has shown the great unity we have as a fellowship across the world, which has been just outstanding. I've loved every minute of it. Um, this verse, this, this chapter has a few interesting things here. You think, well, how can unity be like oil running down someone's beard? That's a bit weird, isn't it? Um, talks about the Jew on Hermon, the Jew on Mount Zion. I'm going to focus on the Jew on Hermon to start off with. Um, I'm happy to talk about the other ones later, but I'm going to go a short time. So the Jew on Hermon, what does that actually mean? So when you do a little bit of research on that, you realise it's talking about an area called Mount Hermon, or the Hermon Ranges, which is in the Middle East, a mountain range in the Middle East, mainly in Syria, but also into Israel. Um, the Golan Heights are part of the Hermon Ranges. And it's the tallest mountain range in the Middle East, and majority of the year, the mountains are capped with snow. You would think there's snow in the Middle East, but there's snow in the Middle East. They even have a ski field in, on Mount Hermon, where you can ski, obviously. <laughs> but the interesting thing about that is it's surrounded by desert, this dry, arid area. Super hot. If you ever look at the forecast on SBS and things like that, you'll see it gets to 40, 50 degrees around the area. But on this mountain, you've got snow-capped mountains, uh, snow-capped on the top, and it actually provides a different climate. And below the snow line, there is fertile land where they grow olives, have vineyards, have a whole lot of different stuff there. And as the snow melts, little rivulets come down, and it, and it gives the water that's required for the agriculture to grow there and for people to, to live. And also you get the cool breeze that comes down off the mountain and it's, a, a, I guess, a refreshing breeze. So when it talks about the dew of Hermon, it's talking about this, this absolute refreshing that comes in a dry and arid place. Actually, in another translation it says, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Mount Zion is Jerusalem. It says as if you're in this dry, hot and barren place and all of a sudden you get this beautiful water, this beautiful refreshing, this beautiful cool breeze come. It's a fertile area. The fruit can grow in an otherwise barren place. And that's what unity is. We say amen to that? How good is that? We live in a dry and barren world spiritually, don't we? But when we come together, how fruitful is it? How refreshing is it when we come together in the Lord? And that's what unity is. Sometimes you lose it. And I was in a fellowship which lost its unity. I lived in Wollongong for a number of years. And you don't know what you've got till you lose it. 
And we had division, disunity. And I never, ever want to go back to that. It's... Got that water bottle? <laughs> um... Your fellowship's your safe place, isn't it? It's your place you come, it's your refreshing. It's a place where you go to be just yourself in the Lord. But when you come along and it's not that place, then it's a horrible place <laughs> to be in. You're walking on eggshells and you've got people you don't know if they're talking about you or you don't know where people stand sometimes. And that's where the position I was in, in our fellowship there. And um, we ended up losing half of our fellowship. And brothers and sisters who are absolutely loved and still loved to this day, who I was looking forward to fellowshipping for many years to come, walked away from, from us. And it's a hard thing. But as we got through that period, uh, actually I'm going to read a verse here in John, don't turn to it, John 15 verse 1 to 2. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is a husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So we lost half our fellowship. We got down to 15 people in our little little group in Wollongong. And um, I really saw that this scripture is correct, that, that when the Lord... So even though it was so sad to see my brothers and sisters leave, when we actually came together in unity, we're back to that place of refreshing. It's like that cool breeze had come in, the drink of water in you, dying of thirst had come back to our fellowship and we had unity. And what actually happened at that time is um, our pastor there, Tim Rogers, he um, did a really wise thing. We had, just through circumstances, a, a significant sum of money from a sum of a hall, a sale of a hall. We were never in a position to buy a new one. And Pastor Tim said to the fellowship, we've got this money but I'd hate for the Lord to come back. And we sat on it and never used it for him. What can we use this money for? So as a fellowship, we spoke, well, how can we use this money? And the idea that came to us was, let's do an, an outreach overseas. And for sake of time, I can't go into all the details, but I'd love to share it with you later if you'd like to hear. So we ended up in the Solomon Islands. And through an amazing set of circumstances, in January 2012, um, there was an outreach combined between Australia and Papua New Guinea in Honiara, resulted in four baptisms. And from that, the fellowship just flourished in Solomon Islands. We've now got over a 1,000 spirit-filled saints in the Solomon Islands, and it's just such a blessing. Actually, I've got a little video. Is that possible to show that, just so you can see who the saints are? Okay, so that was taken in October this year when we were over there, first time going back there after COVID. So... The Lord talks about, he purges the fruit, he, cut, he prunes the, the church. Oh, don't hear me again. <laughs> he, um, the vine's cut, but new growth comes through. And what happened for us, the growth, growth didn't happen in Wollongong, but through our fellowship in Wollongong, this work in the Solomon Islands started and it's been flourishing ever since. So that, that's there. And that came through the unity of the saints and the one vision that we had together to, to work for the Lord. If we're going to turn to Acts chapter 2, and this is getting into the crux of my talk now. So just before I get here, no one's actually asked me to give this particular topic. It's just something I learned throughout the year, actually learned in the Solomon Islands when we were over there. 
So in Acts chapter 2 and verse 44, as we know, this is the day of Pentecost. The church had just started. The 120 people in the upper room received the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches to the, those who'd come to Jerusalem and heard them speaking in tongues. After he preached, 3,000 people were baptized, added to the church. And it says here in verse 44, And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Now, I said I had a subtitle to my talk, Unity, a practical application. It's this, particularly this verse here in verse 45. It says, And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And you see here is a fellowship that they just started And all they wanted to do was to love each other, support each other, and get the gospel out. And some people had a lot. Some people had not much. They said, our focus as a fellowship, they wouldn't use that word, our focus is to get this gospel out and have people saved. And what did they do? They used what they had to get that out. So what I've actually learned this year is tithing is an act of unity. Tithing is an act of unity. Let me explain that. As a fellowship, what is our focus? It's to get people saved and keep us saved. Is that about right? Sums it up? For that to actually happen requires a lot of things. But one thing that is required is a bit of practical stuff. It actually requires a little bit of money. We've got some mundane things we need to pay for. Hire of a hall or paying off a mortgage of a hall. Print... um, insurance, things like that, we have to cover off. Where does that money come from? It comes from somewhere. But we want to get this gospel out. So imagine, as a fellowship, you said, we want to get this gospel out. If we had a bucket of funds that we could use to get this gospel out, let's all put something in to get the gospel out. That's what tithing is. It's contributing to get the gospel out. Our vision is to get the gospel out. Because... Maybe you want to print some leaflets. Well, where's that money going to come from? Maybe you want to do some advertising. We've got different ideas. You need to hire a hall or something like that. Where's that come from? We all, have, as a fellowship, have the same vision. We want this gospel to go out. We contribute, and that's how it happens. But what happens if we get all these people saved? We need to be able to support our pastor or the leader in the church to, to spend time with these people. And our pastor in Wollongong, Pastor Tim, had to work full-time, and, and we, we were all tired there, but he worked full-time. It was great. But if we'd grown and grown and grown, he couldn't have done, done the work full-time. He would have needed time off. That's how we contribute, because it's really important to have people to have a, a shepherd, someone to look after them. Tithing is an act of unity. What about the mission fund? So I was going to share a little experience of mine with the Solomon Islands, going back to the Solomon Islands. So it costs money, time, and commitment to get a fellowship started. So I'm going to put some numbers out there. I don't normally share these sort of numbers. But Wollongong Fellowship supported Solomon Islands for two years financially. It was more than $70,000 that it cost to do that. Some of the mistakes were made along the way, but essentially we worked out about $70,000 along the way to set up that fellowship. And that's required ongoing support 
through the mission fund ever since. Now, everyone in the Wollongong Fellowship fully supported that. We were more than happy to contribute for that fellowship to start. And now we've seen a 1,000 saints saved and it's growing. You'd be amazed at how far your money will go in the mission fund. You'd be amazed. Money that you contribute here that might get your coffee will go a lot further in some of these countries around the world who need our support. Supporting the mission fund is an inter-fellowship act of unity, isn't it? Really, I just I guess you could think about that. Last scripture, I'm just going to quote it for the sake of time. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says, Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So only give if you want to. We're not after, not after your money. <laughs> no one here is after your money. Only give if you want to. But it says here, God loves a cheerful giver. I'm going to add a little bit more to that. It's give with a joyful anticipation for what the Lord's going to do for your fellowship and our fellowship.